The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we asked the question, are you barefoot in the battle? As we look at the items of spiritual armor that God has given to us, we've begun to see that the shoes are extremely important. It makes sense if you think about it. If you don't have the right footwear, you're going to be in trouble if you're in a battle or in a football game or working on a construction site. You wouldn't want to wear sandals into the chicken house. You wouldn't want to wear tennis shoes on the construction site. You wouldn't want to wear dress shoes on the football field. Today we continue looking at the gospel boots that God has provided us, and we see that it's extremely important that we have the right gospel. Because if we have the wrong gospel, we won't have the right footwear, and we won't be prepared in the battle. Join us today as we conclude this message, Are You Barefoot in the Battle? But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Think about the problem of the worldly philosophies that are out there. Think about the problem of worldly philosophies. In 1 John 2.26, John said, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. He's concerned about those that seduce God's people. The big enemy in that day was Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a heresy that taught that Jesus wasn't really incarnate. He didn't really come in the flesh. And really the way to heaven is to gain more and more knowledge. And it's what you know that gets you to heaven as opposed to what Christ did. And Because see, Christ didn't really die because he wasn't really here. He was just a spirit inhabiting what looked like a body. That was what they taught. Well, the truth of the matter is Gnosticism is still out there because think about what you hear in most pulpits today. In most pulpits, you, the question is asked, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Okay, the question is not, do you know him? The question is, does he know you? <laughs> you see, that's the question. That's the question. And, and praise God, we're told over in, uh, I think it's 1 Timothy, he said, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. What's the seal that makes the foundation of God sure? The Lord knoweth them that are his. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that the Lord knows when I don't. You know, that's why we can't go around saying, he's going to heaven, she's going to hell, he's going to heaven, she's going to hell. We, we don't know. We can't tell. If you'd asked me to declare where the thief on the cross was going as they were hanging him up there, I would say he was about to bust hell wide open. But instead, he was one of God's children. God knew who he was. And in the midst of cursing and mocking Christ and calling, uh, uh, throwing those same curses back on Jesus that the other thief was throwing on him, suddenly, boom, the Holy Spirit quickened him and made him alive. You know, there wasn't a preacher up there telling him, come on down and get baptized. There wasn't a preacher up there saying, you've got to make a decision for Christ. You've got to know him. You got to... Listen, we're told that we're not going to have to preach that message. He said, they'll all know me from the least unto the greatest. <laughs> they'll all know me. In other words, in the new birth, may not know his name, may not know all the details, may not get everything just right about him, but... You see, the ones that he knows, the foundation of God standeth sure, the Lord knoweth them that are his... The ones that he knows, they will know him. Even the ones, the, the, the babes in the womb that leap for joy, that cannot pronounce a name, can't form a thought like we think about it. When they're quickened and made alive, they know who their father is. They know they've got a father in heaven, you see. The worldly philosophies will seduce you. The worldly philosophies today will seduce you, child of God. And if you're not properly shod with the gospel of peace, You'll get led astray, especially in our universities today. The woke culture today is the great enemy of the children of God. It will pull you aside. It will pull you away. It will destroy you in this life. Praise God, they can't get you eternally. But they can get you here and now, child of God. What about the problem of Armenian teaching today? Armenian teaching. You know, over in the book of Galatians, Paul makes a startling statement there in the first chapter. A very direct statement. You know, Paul didn't have the problem of making an uncertain sound. <laughs> Paul called it like it was. In verse 6 of Galatians 1, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul preached grace. Paul preached the finished work of Christ. Paul preached that it was Christ plus nothing that saves us. In the days that he's 
writing here to the Galatians, there were some that went down of the Jews and the former Pharisees that said, well, it's not enough that you now believe in him. What it is, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law of Moses. Beloved, they were adding to the sacrifice of Christ. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus saved his people from their sins. Period. End of story. Praise God for that. That means that nobody else can mess you up, and even you can't mess you up. Isn't that amazing? Man, I, I need to hear that. that need, that's, I need that because I mess myself up all the time. I do things that are just stupid sometimes. I do things that are foolish. I do things that I know are not right. I mess it up all the time, but praise God, it's Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ plus my decisions. It's not Christ plus my good works. It's not Christ plus my faith. My faith is a result of Christ having regenerated me, you see. But he said to these Galatians here, he said, I marvel. Man, I'm, I'm blown away. It blow, you know, you can put it in modern terms. It blows my mind that you are move, removed so quickly from grace from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And here's what he says, which is not another. I know that we call it another gospel sometimes, but why does he say it's not another gospel? Because gospel means good news. <laughs> and it's not good news to tell a sinner he's got to do something to be saved. You know, think about, think about that. You go, to, you go to a man that can't walk, who's crippled, paralyzed. You say, if you just get up, you could walk. You know, if you just get up, you'd be all right. <laughs> well, he can't get up. Mephibosheth was lame in both of his feet. He had to be fetched. He had to be fetched, you see. You see, that's, the, that's not good news. You know what is good news, though? You do like Christ and go to him and say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. You know, he didn't say do that in order to be, in order to get feeling in your legs. He was telling him his legs were already working because <laughs> he did it. He operated on him directly. He said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But now listen to this. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And just in case you didn't get that, he says, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Beloved, I know there are many men out there that are preaching in sincerity, but they're sincerely wrong. And we don't need to buy into that. See, we need our feet shod with the proper teaching. They were falling for the false teachings of the Judaizing Christians over there that were saying you had to do so, you had to be circumcised to keep the law of Moses. Don't fall for those who tell you you've got to do anything in order to be saved. Because, beloved, he saved us from our sins on the cross. He did it. It is finished, he cried. Not it is finished, now you've got to do your part. It wouldn't be finished if he said, if, if he said that. The Armenian teachings today are a problem. What about, now listen, sometimes we, we get categorized sometimes as Calvinists, Okay. But I want to say to you, don't fall for that trap either. We're not Calvinists. John Calvin didn't come up with these doctrines. And in fact, John Calvin was wrong on quite a few of these doctrines. In today's Calvinistic teachings, most of the Calvinistic teachers, most of the Reformed preaching out there that, we hear, that you hear does not make a distinction between eternal and time salvation. See, eternal salvation is solely and wholly in the hands of the Lord. 
It is finished. That's what he was talking about. He saved us from our sins. But there's, then Peter says on the day of Pentecost, after just telling them that Christ died to put their sins away, he said, now save yourselves. <laughs> what do you, do you say? Save yourselves from the pits of hell? Do you say save yourselves from, from the condemnation of sin? No, he said save yourselves from this crooked generation, this untoward or crooked generation. And that's what we need to be doing. And there's a difference between eternal salvation taught in the Word of God and timely or temporal salvation. You know, in one place, Peter says that baptism doth now save us. There's maybe one or two denominations that believe you've got to be baptized in order to go to heaven, but most denominations don't teach that. There's at least one type of salvation that almost universally is agreed upon is not talking about eternal salvation. But most of the reform teaching and most of the Calvinistic teaching out there, they get mixed up on that. And then they take verses like Romans 10, 33. If you'll confess your sins, he, he'll, he'll forgive you. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, rather, shall be saved. And they say, well, see there, you've got to call on him in order to go to heaven. That's not talking about that at all. We back up to the first part of that chapter, Romans chapter 10, and you'll read about a people that had a zeal of God. Not for God, of God. That means God had given them this zeal. They were children of God. But they were going about to establish their own righteousness and had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of Christ. And Paul said, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He says, you need to call upon him and rest in what he's done. They're still going to heaven, but they're working themselves to death while they're trying to get there. You need to rest, you see. You need to know the proper teachings of the gospel. There's, there's a teaching out there called lordship salvation. They say, well, you can't. Take him as Savior if you don't take him as Lord. And that means basically that if you don't live right, you're really not a child of God. <laughs> well, I hope that's not true. Because <laughs> I tell you what, beloved, there's many days of my life. In fact, it feels like most of every day of my life I don't live right. Maybe I look like it on the outside, but I'm struggling on the inside. I'm struggling with, with uh, sinful thoughts and sinful urges. And, and sometimes I act them out, you see. I'll tell you, beloved, praise God. Perse you know, that's the teaching out there, perseverance. If you don't persevere in faith and good works, you never really were a child of God in the first place. Let's talk to Lot one day. The last time we see Lot, he's drunk in fear in a cave, committing unspeakable sins with his own daughters, fathering two nations that were wicked nations. No hope for him if, if the perseverance teaching is true. Because he sure didn't persevere in faith and good works. Again, see, here's the problem. We need to be clear on what the gospel says. The gospel says that it's Jesus Christ plus nothing. He died to save his people from their sins. The gospel tells us that the new birth is a direct operation of the Holy Spirit. It's not the gospel plus the Holy Spirit. It's not the preacher plus the Holy Spirit. It's not baptism plus the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. That's how the thief on the cross could be quickened and made alive right there. Without a preacher, without a baptismal pool. That's how a man yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter on his way to Damascus, can be struck down by a sovereign God. Remember, the Lord knows the ones that are his. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the apostle, was one of his. And he was born again right there. I tell you, what's so sweet about that? That's the one that can cause a babe to leap in his mother's womb without ever hearing the gospel, without ever hearing a preacher, without ever reading a gospel tract. Without, without ever attending a church or a synagogue, John the Baptist leaped for joy 
in his mother's womb. See, one of the problems with a lot of these churches out there, and I don't mean to be calling them out in a harsh way, but we need to understand that much of the teaching in much of the Calvinistic and Reformed world out there, if you go sit in their congregation, they sound just like the Armenian world. You get to the end of the message and the invitation is given to accept Jesus or to pray a prayer or to do something to be saved. When the truth of the matter is, Christ has already saved us by his sacrifice on the cross and the Holy Spirit if you, have, if you see yourself as a broken, undone sinner, here's the good news. That's the greatest evidence that we have that you're one of his children that's already been born again. Isn't that glorious? See, the gospel boots are essential to protect us from the enemy that's outside. But let me tell you this. The gospel boots are also essential to protect us from ourselves. I need the gospel to protect me from myself. Because we are all prone to desertion in this battle. In 1777, in the winter of Valley Forge, there were up to 2,000 Revolutionary War soldiers who deserted. They deserted due to lack of supplies, both food and otherwise. And I read this quote from the National Park Service website said throughout 1777, General George Washington had more concerns over his army's supply of shoes than with any other single article. He went on to tell about the bad quality of the shoes. The French sent him a whole bunch of shoes, but they were all a, like a size six. They're like 2,000 sets of shoes, size six, and nobody, very few could wear them, just one size. And part of the problem of desertion was the fact that these soldiers didn't have the right supplies. Their shoes didn't fit. They didn't have shoes that would work. I want to say to you, nothing sets me back worse in my attitude and in life in general than a foot problem. I have to wear little inserts in my dress shoes. And all these years, it started when I was playing football. I was 15 years old. And I forget what they called it. It's some kind of common thing. My feet hurt all the time. And you know what that did for me? That put me in a bad mood all the time. I didn't feel like playing football. I didn't feel like I was a lineman. I didn't feel like blocking anybody. I didn't feel like tackling anybody. I finally went to the foot doctor, and he gave me something, to ins a little in insert that I still wear today from all those many years back, <laughs> 40 years ago. But you see, if I don't wear that, I keep, through the years, I would try to take those out and say, I'm tired of having to put these in. I'm just going to wear it. Well, I'd go for about a week, and the next thing you know, my feet are hurting, and I'm just constantly, and I'm just in a bad mood. I'm not, there's nothing hardly affects my attitude worse than some kind of foot problem. I want to say to you, child of God, in the winter of our sojourn here in this life, if we have poor quality footwear, if we have shoes that don't fit, if we have shoes that cause us foot problems, we will be much more likely to desert in the battle. See, that's why the true gospel is so important, because nothing else will fit the case of a regenerated child of God who sees himself as the broken sinner that he is. Because the gospel is the good news of Jesus' finished work, the work that overcame death, hell, and the grave. 
You know, he tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 that as much, for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death all their lives were subject to bondage. You know, what do we fear the most? We fear death. We fear our own death, maybe. Or we fear the death of loved ones. We fear the death that's coming to everybody. Ultimately, that's our greatest fear. But Christ has destroyed death. Even though it still reigns here today, He has put it away so that when death comes upon us, we know the difference. We don't sorrow. Last Monday when we buried Aunt Molly, we weren't having uh, some kind of pity party. We weren't having a, a sorrowful, hopeless time. We sorrowed, yes. We grieved, yes. But we were rejoicing in the fact that she was reunited with her loved ones. And more than that, that she was in the presence of her Savior. And you know what's even greater? He's coming back to get that body. We put her body in the ground. Her spirit's with the Lord. One day he's going to get the body out of the ground and put the spirit and the body back together. <laughs> and you see, it's that true gospel that will help us in the midst of the problems of life. For example, think about the death of a loved one, and we've just been talking about it. Sometimes people walk away from the battle. Children of God walk away from the battle because that God could have saved them, but he didn't. The gospel tells us that God overcame the inevitability of death. By dying himself. And we will see them again. <laughs> the troubles of life. Think about the troubles that come on you. Somebody, sometimes we say, well, if God really loved me, he wouldn't have let this happen. The gospel tells us that, that this life is only the, the small print at the beginning of the forward of the great book of eternity. <laughs> The best is yet to come, you see. The best is yet to come. So, you know, sometimes I struggle with this. Maybe you struggle with this. Your past sins. How could I really be a child of God? There's just no way. You know, Satan will whisper in your ear every day, remember. Remember you did this. Remember you did that. Remember the thoughts you had. Remember the action you took. You know what the gospel does? The gospel shouts, forgiven, <laughs> forgiven by the grace of Christ, you see. Gospel boots. Well, let's, let's bring this to a close. Our gospel boots are essential for the battle. But I want to remind you of one thing as we close. Remember what he says, the preparation, we should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, of peace. The gospel boots that are essential to the spiritual battle are boots of peace. It's a message of peace. Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And he said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Beloved, it's so important that we have the right gospel message, the true gospel message, because the false gospel will not take you very far. The boots of the false gospel will fall apart at the point where the sinner stops you. You see, the false gospel only allows you to go as far as a sinner lets you go. The false gospel tells us that God can't do what he has purposed to do unless we let him. But the true gospel assures us that our place is with the family of God. You know, in, in 
I won't turn there, but over in the 10th chapter of John and other places, he talks about the fact that we cannot be plucked out of the hand of God. And here's the reason. You know the reason for that? It's because Christ has made peace. See, the gospel is the gospel of peace. In Psalm 85 and verse 10, we're told that mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. How can the justice of God and the mercy of God come together? Because you can't be merciful and just at the same time, right? I mean, if a judge is being merciful, he's not rendering justice. If he's going to do justice, he's not being merciful. Mercy is, by definition, different and against the justice of God. There's only one way. Somebody had to pay the price. And that, that place where justice and where righteousness and mercy came together was on the cross of Calvary. And that's why Romans quotes Isaiah, Paul quotes Isaiah over in Romans saying, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, the gospel is a gospel of peace. I know so there are people, there are men that have preached it harshly in the past. There are men that have tried to stir it up. There are men that try to stir you up. The true gospel is a gospel of peace, that Christ has made peace between his people and God. I love that verse over in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 25 where it says, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You know what the vision I have about that this morning? You know, we've been preaching about the spiritual battle. We're in the battle. We're talking about the armor now, but think about that, think about that soldier. Think about that soldier that's been in the battle. I'm 55 years old, beloved. I feel like I've been in the battle at least 54 of those 55 years. I feel battle-worn. I feel bloodied by the world. Jesus said in the world, you shall have tribulation. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. We've all experienced it. The vision here is of a tired soldier, worn and bloody from the battle, thirsty, famished. And someone comes up to him with a refreshing, cool water from the depths of a well and gives it to him. Beloved, the good news of the gospel is better nourishment than an oasis of water in a desert land. If we have the right footwear, beloved, instead of walking away, instead of sliding back down the hill, instead of losing our footing, we can dig in and stand our ground. See, that's what he's talking about here. Stand, therefore, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Don't give up the ground that Christ has already won. Are we barefoot in the battle? then we need to put on our boots, our gospel boots. If we're barefoot, we're going to be hindered in our service. If we have on the proper boots, we'll be able to withstand the assaults of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The true gospel gives us that firm footing in a world of shifting sand. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C 1847 at gmail.com. 
or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.